Hey, well, hello and welcome to the PMQ live update for today. What is today, Gene? This is what, Friday something something. Uh, you don't even know. Friday, June 12th. I'm here, I'm here with Gene McWilliams, a uh, new member of the U.S. pizza team uh, from up there in uh, Illinois, south end of Illinois, I believe, right? Southern Illinois, yep. All right, so we have a um, kind of an interesting concept uh, idea to talk about, and this is not going to be any kind of depressing COVID-19 stuff. Uh, we're trying to transition out of that. Now, we do want to still give you the uh, important information, but uh, we're going to talk about something that's very unique that is actually, I've been hearing getting a lot of traction. Uh, a lot of people are doing similar things, uh, but I think Jeans, he's got it, he's got it ready to go. Uh, this was something that he, I think, actually planned before everything kind of shut down, so it's been put on hold for a little bit. But I did want to let you guys know, uh, thank you for joining in. You can ask your questions live on the PMQ Facebook, US Pizza Team Facebook, or Pizza TV Facebook. If you ask your questions or post your comments on my personal Facebook or Gene's, we will get back to them, but we will try to monitor them as well. But if you have any questions for Gene's, for Gene about this concept, just put it in there and we're, we'll be ready to go. So without further ado, Gene, you get one and a half minutes uh, to you know introduce yourself and what you do. Awesome. Hello, everybody. Um, my name is Gene McWilliams. Uh, we are putting in a ghost kitchen um, in Southern Illinois. So um, right before COVID hit, we were technically ready to sign a lease for a 4,000-square-foot gastropub in Louisville, Kentucky. Then COVID hit, and it just <laughs> we didn't sign it, thank God. Uh, thought, what are we going to do? And, and I really started researching the ghost kitchens way back when, back in 2019. But um, we decided, you know, this is the way I think things are going. Um, we can do it close to home uh, for our pilots and our testing. So, yeah, we are in for permit. We've signed the lease. Um, we should start construction in about three weeks. And we are putting in three individual concepts into one commercial kitchen, all delivery. Uh, takeout uh, apps down in Effingham, Illinois. So it's exciting. We're gonna, you know, kick this off with this new venture and see how this goes. Well, and and I wanted to ask you that uh, you mentioned Ghost Kitchen. Now I've been talking with a lot of people who have been mentioning Ghost Kitchens, and there, it's, I don't want to say there's a lot of kind of confusion about the term, but it kind of could mean a couple other things. Now some people are talking about you have your one pizzeria and you have three separate menus online. So that you get more search uh, engine optimization, you know, you're, you're first in the searches, but you're talking about a multi-concept unit, basically three different concepts, correct? Why don't you talk a little bit correct. about what are you, what what the, each of the concepts is? So we are Brian. We're doing it is three separate concepts under one commercial kitchen. So every concept will have its own EIN number, its own business. It runs through its own paperwork. Um, performance. So our first concept is Gino's Grill, which is a cheesesteak, uh, Philadelphia cheesesteak concept. And it's clearly just cheesesteaks. Um, the second concept is a burger concept, which is Southern Illinois Burger Company. And that is strictly, you know, just burgers. Um, kind of those two are more lending towards the QSR um, type, type uh, restaurant. And the third concept is Lucia's Italian Kitchen. So that is a pizza pasta concept, a little more higher end, um, definitely on the pizza side, uh, freshly made pastas and salads and some desserts. And, and those are the three that will work into uh, one kitchen. 
So, yeah, it's literally, um, they call ours independent ghost. I mean, people call it a virtual kitchen. They call it, there's all kinds of names they call it, but technically they're, they're all doing the same thing. So, um, a true ghost kitchen where it started in 19, where these guys came in and they bought a massive warehouse and they built 400 to 500 square foot kitchens and they lease them out to, to independents and uh, they basically are a landlord. That's so more, that's kind of how that trend started. And ultimately, well, and that's more kitchen share too. And, and I do apologize for some Correct. of the technical difficulties, guys. This is the first transition into the new studio. Still trying to get my second monitor set up, but I wanted to show some of the cheesesteaks uh, that Gino's doing. And we'll, we'll come back to this. This is kind of your layout. You'll talk a little bit about that, some of the dough, um, working with Mrs. T. Again, I, I'm trying to find some of the burger pictures. Um, you know, I'm just going to go back to uh, showing Gino's smiley face because I think that's what everybody came here for anyway, but. So you were talking about, uh, you know, it really initially started where you, you would have a warehouse space and kind of, I don't want to say sublet, but yeah, kind of sublet some of that space to other people. Right. And they would rent those, you know, some people would sign a year lease. Um, some would sign it month to month. I mean, they'd rent it to a month to month. And so that's kind of how that ghost kitchen, you know, really kind of started. And, you know, my thing was, I'm like, look, I have, you know, when we were looking at Maza in Louisville, you know, we had burgers. We're a gastro pup, so we had burgers on our menu. We had pizza. We had pasta. Cheesesteak was not on there. But um, so then I said, okay, how can I put this into one? And that's what kind of drove those three individual concepts to to kind of break off. So um, yeah, it's it's definitely you know we we own all three. You know, so Kitchens Unlimited is the holding company, and the three restaurants you know are definitely ours as well. Will I you know? Look at a fourth concept going in there. We we will about six months down the road. We're going to see what uh, what's trending, what, what we think will work, and we are prepping in our build to come in with a fourth concept uh, about six months in. So we're excited about that. All right. Well, I mean, you you kind of said that you know, people were just kind of looking at this. You wanted to do, I think, more than you thought you could in one location. And that was the conscious decision to break it up into three different kind of units. Or, I mean, you, you had a grand idea of this. I want to have a restaurant that serves all this stuff. At what point did you say, I can't do that? I got to put it into three different units. And I mean, how, how did that come about? What was the first thing you had to do to figure out, I'm not going to open up one restaurant, but three different restaurants in one location. What was the first thing that you had to do to get that ball rolling? Well, once I, once I decided on the, on the ghost kitchen, I knew, I had to break it up. So I'm a kind of guy that says, don't go to a Chinese restaurant and order you know, Italian. It's one of those things that this is what we do. Let's specialize in it. Let's do it to the best we can. We know that we can make a great cheesesteak and a great burger. And we really wanted to focus on that too, even though it's coming out of the same kitchen. That was, that was one thing that led us. The second thing was, you know, the platform of having three um, being out there and the traffic that it drives in and the benefit that you would have through that uh, three different restaurants of income coming through that. So, you know, everything about that, the rent is spread out over three restaurants, the gas bills, the utilities, the, you know, so there's a ton of cost advantage to having three versus one. I put one restaurant in and you know, my gas bill is 2000 a month or whatever that is. That's one business. Now I'm dividing that by three 
and it makes it much, much easier for us to operate on a cost level. All right. And this is something that, again, you, you I don't want to say you're the sole owner of, of this right now, uh, but I mean, this is all under your one concept. So you're basically charging yourself rent three different times to make the holding company kitchens unlimited, um, you know, make, make sure that they can pay the bills. Correct. Right. So kitchens, we come in with kitchens unlimited and we put up, you know, all the financing and the, you know, the construction bill, the opening food cost, everything to get these up and running. And then we will charge our restaurants back a monthly okay. lease. And on top of that, we are also I mean, technically, I don't know if it's a franchise deal, you know, how that actually runs, but we are going to take a percentage of royalty from each individual back to, you know, Kitchens Unlimited. You know, we won't hamstring the business by no means. That's not our goal. Our goal is to, you know, make the three restaurants profitable, not Kitchens Unlimited is so much, you know. I mean, it would be kind of closer, um, approximated to like, I don't want to say like a commissary, or not, not even non-for-profit, but... Um, I mean, mostly a lot of times I've seen commissaries put in where they just make the money back, but they sell all the money or all the products to the individual restaurants for that one business. Now, obviously, you're trying to say that Kitchens Unlimited needs to actually make a profit as well. You want all four right. concepts yeah. to make a profit. So that's kind of the difference between a, a commissary versus what you're doing right now. Is there anything in particular... I mean, um, that you need to do to make sure that happens. I know if you're, if you're doing a commissary and it's just, you know, being that cost, that's a lot easier to kind of figure out. This is how much it costs. This is how much I charge you. Um, is there any, were there any special steps that you had to go through or, you know, any hoops you had to jump through to allow no, everyone really. to be, well, I was going to say to allow no, every single really. one I mean, to make money. So go, all right, go ahead. Yeah, so we sat down with our accountant and said, okay, how do we structure this and what do we do? And and that was the key, you know, set up each one as an individual company, um, run our costs, where we, you know, where our, where our expenses will be. And basically we can cut that, you know, by thirds, you know, is kind of the way we look at it. Now, as we see the volumes, you know, let's say Lucia's volume is, you know, 8% or 10% higher than Gino. So, at that point, we're going to have to adjust some numbers and make that you know pay accordingly. So once we get open and we get our doors and we get through the rush and things start to settle down, we can really hone into the numbers and allocate you know true, accurate cost numbers and uh, profit numbers for each. So you know, and down the road, I mean, we're looking Champagne, we're looking Bloomington Normal. We think this is something that you know within a year we can have another one open, possibly two. So. You know, we want these businesses to to be successful and make money. You know, as we grow and, and grow that brand, we don't want them to just skate by and then the whole company making all the money. So, uh, definitely, our, our we're looking for the businesses to thrive on this one. Well, I mean, that's great. It's so, and, and I have this, and I'm going to try to figure out exactly how to put it back up there without freaking everybody out on the screen, but. Um, how did you kind of decide on the size of what you were going to do? I think you already had the idea of how many concepts you wanted. And then I do have another question too about the size and, and, and growth past that. But so you've decided, Hey, look, I wanted to, I want to sell all this stuff, but it's not good for one restaurant. It's going to be three different things. What kind of footprint did you assign to everyone? Is there like a separate kitchen for everyone or is it all a shared kitchen? Is there a shared, you know, pass through window? How's that work? 
It is all one kitchen. It, it's a, it's a, everything functions from one. So you call it a shared kitchen. But the way I went in was to design the menu. I mean, like any restaurant, you would design your menu um, and then know what equipment you're going to need to cook that menu. You don't ever design the restaurant first and then the menu second. So we knew cheesesteaks and we knew burgers. So right away, I knew I needed a five-foot flat-top grill because our burgers are cooked on the flat-top. Cheesesteaks are on the same piece of equipment. So we designed it to where the burger company and the cheesesteak company can cook off of one half of the kitchen, and then Lucia's would be the right half on the Italian side. So in once I wanted to stay as small as I could for cost reasons and rent square foot and so on. So we ended up settling with um, 850 square feet is our interior of that restaurant. Our walk-ins are actually outside of our space. Um, so technically, I do pay rent for that footage. But operating is 850 square feet is all that is. And I'm not sure. I'm, I need to flip back over to make sure everybody. Okay, it looks like everybody can see that real quick. Um, but so that's that's your cook line right there, and the kitchen in the back of the house. Correct. Um, and this is a great design. You know, uh, kudos to whoever designed that. I know I can't remember her name. Um, and so over here, if you can see the mouse, this is your. You've got a roto deck pizza oven, right? Yep. More corny right there. There's the. That's the pizza. The oven, the mixer, you know, kind of your slap table, everything, and your dough is in that mm -hmm. corner uh, on your bakery side. And we also are baking our own Philly bread. Our Philly bread is the same flour as our pizza dough. Not the same recipe, okay. the same flour. When you said that, um, I, honestly, and I know, I'm sorry, this is a very confusing uh, picture, guys, but uh, we'll just go back here. That uh, it, Like at number 12 right here, you're missing a uh, another table. This is where... The pizzas come out of the oven right here, right. and then they come over here. And then at number seven, that's where the pass-through counter is. Now, this is another thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, I, I mentioned to you yesterday is that this entry vestibule. Now, that's the only access that your customers have to come to all three of these restaurants. Correct. And that's what what were you saying? It's like it's you said six by six. It's obviously not square, but no, it's about it's, it's about ten by six, you know, or ten, 10 by eight by roughly, okay. and. That's that's not concerning me because we are delivery and online ordering is is going to be what we think ninety percent of our sales will be. Um, most ghost kitchens do not even offer takeout, so the only yeah. reason we have takeout in this location is because the location that we're in in the town is kind of that that older southern farm town that you don't want to eliminate somebody like you know. Your mom or your grandma says, well, I want a cheeseburger, but she's not going to order it from her phone. She wants to pick up her phone and say, can I get a burger? <laughs> and that's it. So, you know, that's what that's for. So if we get to the problem of that vestibule is crowded and people are backed up and we're that busy, the office goes away. And that becomes the whole vestibule. Okay. And I'm inside of a warehouse that I have plenty of square foot to put the office in outside of this building. Maybe, yeah, right at the back. Yeah. Well, that, that was yeah. my concern is that it sounded like it was kind of a very small area. And, you know, my concern and or joy for you is that all three of these concepts, man, they take off. And yeah. you just underestimated how much crowd you would have coming in at one time because all the rushes for three different concepts are probably going to be around the same time. You know, dinner time, lunch time, uh, yeah. you know, what have you. So, I mean, I like that you've already thought ahead and said, hey, if I got to sacrifice the office, 
but the office seems huge. That's nice. It's bigger than what I got. I'm just, you know, if, if you guys want to see. <laughs> yeah, you know, that drawing see, list much bigger. That, that's what I got. My my home office is, is, is a lot larger, but uh, it's okay. I did miss, yeah. uh, did miss you know, the, the human contact back here. But uh, you've already got a plan for, I like how you said, well, it's like, you know, if we have to tear down that wall and that becomes, you know, a 20 by six vestibule, that's great. Right. So, um, well, that kind of brought me to the other, the, uh, another question that I did have is that you do have, you were kept saying that, um, well, you know, if I have to move that office, you know, I'm, I'm running, already running my freezer space and it's from the outside. Um, and then you said, if I have to get my, uh, you know, move my office, it's going to be from the outside as well. Um, you're talking about, are you talking about, I'm trying to show the screen here. I, I apologize guys. I'm not sure if everybody can see it. Uh, no, I mo removed it. Here we go. So, um, so what you're talking about is, um, you rent all this space. This is what your fine, you know, your rental agreement is. You did actually have to rent the cooler space in the freezer in the back. You would maybe move your office back here, but I was talking about growth. You had mentioned something about maybe people wanting to come in and do possibly a kitchen share, which they wouldn't be part of your ghost kitchen, but they would have uh, real estate on your floor, uh, maybe to put in their own fixtures. Um, is that something that people should look for if they're trying to start this? Because, um, I mean, at that point, are they responsible for setting up all the fixtures, the hood vents and things like that? Or is that something that you would take care of and pass on through the rent? I mean, what's kind of the best avenue of, uh, you know, going forward for for somebody trying to grow a pizza, a ghost kitchen or, you know, slash kitchen share? Yeah. So it's funny you say that is that we have already been contacted by someone out of St. Louis that wants to come into this ghost kitchen. Um, okay. First of all, whatever we, if we ever decide that, to let somebody into this actual building where we are, it cannot conflict with any, any of our concepts that what we're doing. That's number one. Um, kind of non-compete, non-compete clause or something like that. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're still pushing food, whether it's pizza or cheesesteaks or burgers or pasta or salads. You know, I'm not going to let a guy come in and put a hot dog stand in there or, uh, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Now, if you want you know, a bakery or a coffee or ice cream or something along those lines, it's worth listening to. But we have decided right now that we have the space to keep going with these if we want to inside this warehouse. Um, we are going to hold off until we even entertain that idea um, any further until we're open and have our feet on the ground and really have our system down to what we want. I don't want to have to worry about somebody else and me building out another space, and, you know, which we would build it for them. We'd ask what they would need. I would, you know, we would build it um, and charge them rent. But I just don't see in the area I'm in now, somebody going to pay them rent what I think it's worth at that point versus where we are. Now, you're in Chicago or New York or L.A., or it's a big difference. Um, but where we are, I don't know that they're going to want to pay what I'm going to charge them to work next to me. Well, I mean, okay, so maybe they don't want to pay what you would charge them, but would you, I mean, rent the space? I mean, if, if you had that space, I mean, would that make sense to rent the space out as far as I mean, I guess because you're still running space too. So, I mean, maybe it doesn't make sense. So, you would have to rent the space and then charge them more. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I would want it under our Kitchens Unlimited platform, right? So, you're getting shared power, you're getting shared gas, you're getting things of that nature. You're getting the delivery system, uh, the marketing, and everything through our in house, our web 
website because our website is being developed now. So you'll go to Kitchens Unlimited and it'll say our restaurant partners and it'll show Tino's Grill and all three concepts. Now, if I had a fourth, that drops into that concept. So there's a lot more involved than other than just saying here, here's a space to rent, you know. Well, and that's that kind of that saving grace right there, too, is that, um, like you said, it's the benefit of the, um, you know, you're managing, you're the landlord. They don't have to worry about that stuff. They just have to deal with you. But you're also giving them the the power of uh, the advertising, the promotion, and all that stuff through Kitchens Unlimited. So, right. it, you know, they already get pulled into that umbrella. So 50% of the work is done for them, honestly. Right. And they've already got Where's that value? That's what we don't know yet. Right. Yeah, we don't well, know the I, value of that yet. So for okay. me to let somebody in now would be, you know, I'd say, okay, let's get open and let's figure out what this value really is and what's it worth and make sure that we get our three concepts running like a top engine before we have to worry about that fourth, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that, that definitely makes sense, you know, that, you know, test the ground, see what's happening. But I mean, it, it, and another benefit that they have is that, um, you know, they've already got other three other concepts, you know, on maybe different degrees of success, but you're pulling in people and somebody shows up and says, Oh crap, there's ice cream too. Give me two of those. You know, right. it's, it's one of those things. Two where, of those. Yeah, I'll take two of those and a gelato and then, uh, you know, the cannoli. No, no, leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Um, sorry. That's a Godfather. Yes. reference. <laughs> but I did want to ask you, um, uh, you know, I was talking with you the other day, you know, I was just saying that I, you know, why now? You, you had started this again. If you were the ball was already rolling before everything went on pause, what was it early March, something like that? Um, Correct. but I mean, why did you um decide? I mean, nothing's really been decided yet. Some people are opening up, some are not. Why now? I mean, is there any benefit to actually moving now and getting things? Yeah, going? you know, so like I said, yeah, we literally we're full steam ahead on the gastro pub and that's where we our plan was going we didn't sign and it was more of okay now what do we do where is this going and we sat back and said let's see what happens and let's see what's you know what's going to happen here and as it tightened up through covid i mean ghost kitchens have been around for a few years and uh you know, they're they're taking steam the delivery industry is growing like crazy i mean the third-party delivery apps, Uber Eats, DoorDash, all that, you know, everybody's using them. The independent guys, you know, we don't like them very as far as their fees and certain things. Now, we will have our own delivery uh, team, and we'll uh, use okay. those third-party apps, but we will not rely on those apps. Oh, and I'm glad you said that because I was actually writing that down. That was going to be my next question. So you're going to have your own in-house team, um, and you'll facilitate those other third-party apps, but, I mean, it's not by far – it's not going to be what you use the most. So, I mean, you, would you, rec no, what do you so, recommend having in-house or just utilizing third party? No, I would recommend having in-house, um, you know, depending on now the, the third party is going to give you that huge exposure, right? As you get out there, um, you know, door, let's take DoorDash, for instance, DoorDash in Effingham, where we're going, has nine restaurants on DoorDash. That's it. Nine. I'm coming in with three out of the nine. That are being yeah. added on if we have three. Well, so now you got 25 percent of the market right there. That's insane. Exactly. So we will be on there now. If a customer goes through DoorDash and orders anything, we're not going to pay that 30 percent. You know, it's going to cost them more money to have it through DoorDash than going to our online ordering platform and ordering directs from us. 
So we're going to market as hard as we can to, to order from us to save the money. But you know, so no, I mean, but you said that uh, you know if somebody orders through DoorDash, you're not paying the thirty percent. How do you avoid that? You have to if somebody orders through that. Or are you just talking about making a more concerted effort to market your own in-house delivery versus DoorDash and just utilize? Correct. So, okay. Yeah. What I'll do is our delivery. We're, we're working on what our delivery fee is. It's it's literally going to be small, tiny, and then I'll incorporate that in, and then the price will go on to the consumer on the other portion of that. So if it's $3 more a sandwich, you know, just to say, you know, it's going to cost them $2 more than what it would be to order on our website. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, no. And I actually, um, you know, I like the forward thinking on all of this is that, you know, you have to be ready for it. You can't just come in there, have a concept say yes. And then say, now what? And this is the, I mean, this is why yeah. a lot of times the officers like, why are you so negative? I'm like, I'm not negative. I'm just trying to think about all possible outcomes. Have we thought about what happens this, that, or the other? So uh, if, as long as you're thinking yeah. about that and putting that into action and actually just, even if you don't, maybe don't put anything to action, but you just have a plan if something goes that direction. But um, I did, I guess. Right. I must, you must, know, Brian, that no, go ahead. They're not going, DoorDash is not going to put me at number one. If I'm not using them exclusively, you know how they work. So, yeah. um, but when there's only nine on there and I'm coming in with three new ones, you're going to be seen. I don't need to be number one. And so that, you know, if we, like I said, we're in a bigger city, we'd have to adjust differently and how this goes. But, you know, as we grow, we grow the concept, you know, that could change and, and we'll have to see. But as of now, you know, we're going to try not to rely on them for our customers and our sales. No, absolutely. I mean, just utilize the tools that the market gives you, that the industry gives you as best you can until they work against you. Um, so just be educated sure. about everything that you're doing, you know, whether you need to do in-house or whether you can make it work with only third parties. Uh, every every establishment is different. So nothing is going to work for everybody across the board, which actually kind of makes me want to ask you again about, um, I know we kind of spoke about this, but I completely forgot, but um that there, there has been a huge pivot from what you were trying to do. You wanted to initially do a gastro pub um, at the very beginning, and then everything went on pause. And you didn't, you were like this close to signing that lease, from what I remember. Right. Yeah. So I mean, luckily yeah. it happened in time to where you're like, just pump the brakes a bit and see what happens. But so was that gastro pub going to include, you know, your Lucia's kitchen, some some of your pastas or your pizzas? I know you make some good pizzas. Um, the Philly cheesesteaks, they look delicious in the burgers. I'm just going to direct everybody to kind of, I, I might even just see if I can share his screen over here while I let him uh, let him talk about it. But I mean, what was the initial pivot from Gastropub? Was the Gastropub going to be all these concepts at once? And then what made you say, no, 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 let's do three different ones? Can yeah, you, I mean, so the, yeah, the Gastropub had, like I said, pizzas and pastas on the menu. It didn't have a cheesesteak, but it you know, it had some bar food appetizers. It was kind of upscale. But, you know, once COVID hit is when it really got me thinking. When we pulled the brakes back, and I'm like, man, I don't see, I see, you know, how many restaurants are closing, what's going on. It's all going delivery, you know, and that's kind of what tended me to really look harder into the ghost kitchen model. Once I really researched where it was, we were sold uh, pretty instantly, actually. You know, as far as I 
sit down, dine in, 4,000 square foot gastro pumps, you know, they're going to take a, a heck of a hit. It's going to be a recovery that's hard. Um, you know, with the industry trending, they're saying, and the professionals are predicting the delivery business to be worth you know, $750 billion by two, 2025. Um, it's increasing every year, and we definitely see that's where it's going. And we want to kind of be into that curve, you know, as it comes through. So, yeah, it wasn't a matter of, uh, you know, oh, my God, I'm not going to have my gastro pump. And I would love to, don't get me wrong. But, you know, we can still get our product and our food into the into the hands of the customers. And they can get the same, you know, flavors and, you know, the good stuff just like we had it. So, you know, we like it. And we think it's going to go in the right direction. And, uh, you know, that's kind of why we turn to that. I don't see our industry our industry is going to take a while to come back to what it was. I really believe that. Yeah, it's not going to be an old normal. It's a new normal. We have to uh, – everything's being reimagined. And we're all learning as we go, yeah. which is why I like talking with people like you and everybody else I've spoken with um, and everybody else I might speak with is they have different ideas about things that might work. So we're all in this together. We want to help each other. Um, so there was this pivot from the, the gastropub. Uh, were all these three menus, the uh, Gino's Grill, uh, was it Southern Illinois Burger, and Lucia's, did you have all of that stuff on the menu? And idea, um, was that always supposed to be on the menu for the gastropub? Or was it a no, pared no. down menu? And then once you decided to do three different ones, you expanded each menu. Correct. So we did have, like I said, a, you know, three or four pizzas on the menu, you know, a couple pasta dishes on the menu as far as that goes. But we did, we, we basically exploded the menu from, you know, burgers. Now we'll have, oh, we'll have nine chef crafted burgers. And then of course, you know, kind of like a build your own um, type burger. And, you know, our pizzas will have nine or 10 chef crafted pizzas. And then your typical pizzeria and pastas are the same. So, you know, we really expanded that, but we did have portions of that built into the gastropub. Cheesesteaks were never on our menu. I'll tell you that at the gastropub, that was not in the plan. Um, but, you know, there's a niche for that sandwich, and we know, you know what we can do with it. And nobody has one in the area, I mean, within miles and miles and miles of us. And, and we definitely think that's going to be a home run concept, you know, once we get that product. All right. Well, I, I mean, that's I, I like how it was. Again, that's another adaptation. You got to be ready to evolve and adapt with the times. Um, and I know one of the first things that you and I actually even did together was, uh, you know, you cook it from your kitchen and you had a lot of uh, tripod malfunctions where the camera would just kind of fall down and look at the floor. But um, and I do have I do have one note. I'm going to put this up here real quick um, that uh, why I've. A lot of compliments, but one note is everything is always backwards, buddy. I don't know how you fix that through the mirror thing on your video, but um, no. you have a kick-ass. You know, how you, fix, you, know yeah. how you fix that, Brian? What's that? You take, take the damn sign down. That's all. <laughs> uh, well, it's still on your shirt, brother. It's on your shirt. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But I did want to compliment exactly. you. You have a, a, a kick-ass uh, test kitchen in your garage. Now I'm gonna kind of yeah. mute this, and we'll we'll just kind of see. I know you've been having people over there. You've been testing all the recipes and stuff like that for uh, uh, for your concepts. Um, 
I mean, is this does this help with uh, like obviously it probably helps with the promoting, but um, I mean, was this more therapeutic thing for you to kind of get in there and and test this on camera in front of people, more or less in front of people? And that you know, I know there are children who act, usually you put them up on your Facebook uh, who you know come in and get there to eat, but you're making pastas, you're doing barbecue, you're making pizzas. Um, not everybody is lucky enough to have all this equipment. Is this equipment leaving your house and going to the to the shop, or is this no? <laughs> no, it, it stays. It stays in my house. Um, yeah, I do have a complete commercial kitchen in my garage, from deep fryer to you know flat top to charbroilers, pizza ovens, and you know. So no, it it does serve as the test kitchen. Um, you know, if you, I don't know, you know when you and I kind of you know talked last year, we built an outdoor farm to table. Uh, total outdoor restaurant. And it was, uh, we built a 16 uh, seat bar and I was doing farm to table dinners, um, you know, totally outdoors at a farmer's market. And a lot of this equipment was there and I relocated it to my garage and we opened up the test kitchen there. So everything I've been working on has been through there. Um, a lot of the stuff that I do isn't even, you know, that we're testing. It's just, you know, we'll cook dinner out there, or we'll, you know, something different, but you know, we're always cooking something in that garage. Has there ever been anything that you put up there and said, this is going to be on the menu? And people said, no, no, Gene, just, just don't. I mean, do, do you take people's comments seriously there? If, if, or let, I mean, even on the other end, it's like you did something like you were saying, just for fun that people are like, you got to put it on the menu. I mean, this, this is, seems like a good promotional tool for anybody doing any kind of restaurant, regardless of ghost kitchen or not. Um, how seriously do you take the comments and stuff from this, or is this just a, a way that you kind of blow off steam and have some fun? It's both. Um, you know, we we did our cheesesteaks on here, and we've done, you know, things like that, uh, you know, that are on the menus. I made a burger in that garage one day that is not the burger that's on our menu. It's the burger of what I had in my house, and I called it <laughs> the quarantine burger. But um, so, yeah, we – we kind of take it seriously, and, and there's a lot of things. You know, we did a crazy Thai dish out of ramen noodle packets that the grandkids had in the closet. So, you know, <laughs> those aren't going on our menu. But yeah, we'll <laughs> we like it, and, and it's it's awesome as far as testing product, and then just for having fun too. Well, and again, it's not not everybody's going to be able to have such a, a unique setup. I am extremely jealous. I've seen a lot of units that I've used before, but they are not at my house. So, um, I mean, what do you think the power yeah. of you're coming in right now? You you have to create a market for yourself. What do you think the power of doing things like this, uh, you know, Facebook or YouTube? I mean, what, what do you think is the best avenue of kind of free advertising, uh, the most powerful avenue of free advertising that you can get right now? What are you using? I should say. Yeah, I mean, what are you? Yeah, we're using Facebook. Um, we just signed with the digital marketing company for the ghost kitchens, and we're in the process of building the websites. And not only are we going to build that, they're also going to work with me to try to build the chef, you know, Chef Gino McWilliams brand as well to kind of come up with this. So our YouTube presence is going to get much larger. Uh, we'll be able to shoot different videos in the test kitchen at the house. Uh, we'll be able to shoot them in the real kitchen over at uh, the ghost kitchen. And we're going to try to get as much video content as we can uh, through our websites, through that. So we want to kind of build the brands together, you know, through that. So, um, you know, from last year to this year, it's really taken a big jump with us. 
you know, out in Jamaica with Miss T developing her menus and, and things like that. So working with you know, our manager, Amanda, has been great. So, yeah, we're going to build both brands at the same time. But, yeah, to have that is huge. Well, I did want to mention that, um, yeah, you, uh, you're represented through Amanda Chicharella. And, um, you know, she's doing a great job with that. But also, Miss T, you had mentioned that. And that's something that I want to uh, investigate. We, we had talked about kind of doing some kind of just video demo as well. But um, why don't you uh, talk a little bit about uh, Miss T and, and uh, why we should be looking out for you and her making some kick-ass uh, food videos. <laughs> so, actually, she's doing a live webinar tomorrow in Jamaica. But, um, oh, nice. you know, I've been out there now three times with her, um, and I helped her develop a menu for one of her new restaurants, uh, a five-star restaurant up on Murphy Hill in Ocho Rios in Jamaica. So um, her and I are definitely trying to figure out, you know, how to keep that going throughout the, the year. So right Right before COVID hit, they were due into our place to come here to the States in June. Well, now it's all been on hold. So I don't know if we'll, we'll actually see her this year with the, uh, the new restaurant opening and how busy we'll be. Uh, maybe. I don't even know if I'll be able to get out to Jamaica this year. But cooking with her and working with Walker's Wood Jerk and the owners of Sandals, and, and we've had some really great experiences to work with some really big guys out there wow okay owners of sandals i tell you what i did i think i saw that uh, again this is uh, we're going back to the very first problems i had is that i don't think those pictures were shared um she's doing something live tomorrow where do you where do we find her like on facebook if somebody wants to watch that uh miss t's kitchen is what it is on facebook and um i forget the it's, she's got one on Instagram and one on Facebook, but, but she's put a post on her Miss T's Kitchen on her Facebook is, uh, to show it. But she's doing a some authentic Jamaican cooking with a pretty pretty high-end uh, influencer out there in Kingston. So I want to say this influencer has like umpteen thousand followers. So um, okay. she's on a, a live webinar. Well, I, I, I put it out there. I wanted to let you know if it, you know, people can't find it from there. I want to encourage you uh, after the fact to go in there and actually write the link into the PMQ Facebook page so people can find it. Uh, it'd be great. And, you know, it's yeah, I, I was excited when you brought that up to me. So we want to kind of move forward with that as well. Uh, I'm sorry we couldn't show the pictures. Again, some technical difficulties today. I'm just back in this office. So, uh, but Gene, I mean, I, I do appreciate what you're doing here. Um, you have just recently joined the U.S. Pizza team, and you've already contributed a lot. I know you've been talking with some of our members, some of our established members, about uh, what you're doing. Um, there's a lot of interest in it right now. And being one of the guys out there uh, who is doing it, you know, you're going to have a lot of the – you're going to be able to answer a lot of those first questions. About, you know what I mean? Where it's like, well – yeah, we're we're going over the dam first in our boat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're the guy laying yeah. on the barbed wire fence with the jacket. I get it. Yeah. So, um, yes. you know, why well, I definitely appreciate that. What what's like one thing? Um, well, I got a couple more questions, but uh, and again, I did want to let anybody know on PMQ Facebook Pizza TV or US Pizza Team to ask your questions here. If they're on my personal Facebook or Jeans, we'll get back to them and we'll answer your questions. But um, what is one of the first things somebody should think about if they're trying to open up a multi-concept unit or ghost kitchen? Let's just call it a ghost kitchen at this point. Well, ghost kitchen is, you know, one, you need to have a concept. You need to, you know, if you have an existing concept, um, you know, where can you find it? You know, it's in the, 
unpopular location. So you don't need downtown. You don't need traffic counts. Location is not your key. It's all delivery. So you can be in an old abandoned warehouse as long as you're, you know, within delivery, uh, you know, distance from where you need to go. So, you know, make sure that uh, you have a concept and you're ready to go. And as far as multiple brand concepts, check your market out. Don't go into a market, you know, and, and think you're going to overrun the hot dog industry or whatever it may be you're going to do. And there's 14 hot dog places. So, you know, it's just like any other concept when you look at your demographic is, is, is what you're bringing to the table. But, yeah, it's, you know, I would say um, – do some research. Go back and really see how the ghost kitchens originated, and um, you know, see where where if that even fits you, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and of course, you know, before you open anything up, check out your market. Do the market share. Know what you're going up against. But um, I, you know, I, I I liked, but I was also confused by you said how have a concept because you came in and you you had three, and you it was initially going to be one place that did a bunch of things. Um. So what do you kind of suggest if somebody's just trying to come in? Do they should they do a ghost kitchen or should they just do something that's got a limited menu of three different options, such as burgers, Philly cheesesteaks, or Italian and pizza? I mean, what do you think is better? Should you separate you know, it I mean, or put it all together? Depends on your space. Depends what you can do. How much you can cook out of there. What your rent is going to cost you. You know, trying to divide it up, and that has a lot to do with it. So you know, if you can do three different concepts and you can do them and put out the quality extremely well at the highest level, do three. <laughs> if you can only cook burgers, cook burgers. You know, I, so that to me is key. Don't just go try to do a multi-brand. What you have to put out there, I mean, it's got to be stellar. So, um, you know, absolutely. If you, I would say more. I mean, that's me. If I can rent multiple spaces, you know, in a ghost kitchen from somebody, I would look to have a couple different ones going. Uh, but if you're just a single operator, then then maybe you just need one. All right. Well, that's another kind of question that I had is that uh, what is your definition of ghost kitchen? Because if you um, if you have just that single idea or that single concept, would a ghost kitchen just be somewhere where you just do delivery and carry out? I mean, did ghost kitchen, I would think maybe has to include multiple concepts. I mean, what, yeah. what do you no, think? No, it can be one. No, Ghost Kitchen could be one concept, could be multiple concepts. It could be a group of a building of, you know, 30 different concepts and you're renting a space and you are a burger guy. Um, so that is the true definition of Ghost. It is delivery only and takeout. It's no dining whatsoever. None yeah, at all. So it's strictly a delivery. My competitor is not the the pizza guy down the street who has a pizza restaurant, you know, an Italian restaurant, my competitor is Domino's right next to him. That's yeah. who, you know, we're a delivery based company, yeah. you know, Wingstop, right. They deliver wings on those kind of guys. Those are our competitors. You know, it's not uh, five guys burgers down the street. It's not a competitor of ours. Well, I like that. I mean, that's, that's kind of what I was going for is that, uh, you know, it's basically delivery or carry out only no dining, obviously. Um, hundred percent. No, okay. I, I think it still needs, there's, a so lot we don't of, have, well, there's a lot of uh, definition that still has to be defined as far as that term. I think, uh, I think it's, I don't want to say still a virgining term, but I mean, it's been, kitchen, kitchen, a bunch. yeah, we, until we find out, you know, merge them all together and kind of get that solid definition. But I mean, I, I appreciate 
you know, what your definition was. And that's kind of what I was trying to go for, try to figure out what you thought that was versus what somebody else might think it is. So there's no confusion. But, I mean, honestly, what I'm hearing here, it sounds like a very viable option for anybody wanting to do this and keep their overhead low, honestly. You know, there's a whole lot of labor that you don't have to pay right. for not having that dine-in. So, yeah, front of the house, you know, not only labor, utilities, you know, yeah. all kinds of stuff that, that kind of tie into that. You're not cooling, you know, the square footage. And so, yeah, it's a very low startup cost, um, especially if you can go into an established ghost kitchen, you know, commissary and rent the kitchen, you know, in larger cities they have that. It's not, LA's got it, Chicago has it, uh, one open in Denver, you know, so it's not everywhere yet. I know St. Louis has none. Pizza X in uh, in What's Bloomington, that? Indiana. Pizza X, the actually the pizzeria I came from before I worked uh, here. Um, they've grown and they have a giant kitchen share space. Um, I'm right. very proud so, of what they've built. So they're coming up there to where you can actually you can actually do you know create your product somewhere that you don't necessarily even own. You're just renting space. So right. I mean, DoorDash just opened their own, right? So now DoorDash has their own ghost kitchen. I don't know if you know that. They literally have their own ghost kitchen. Yeah, it's, but and you know, hey, yeah. there are lots of slices of this pie that we can all have. It's just, we got to know how to do it and how to cut it up right. And um, I really appreciate all your yeah, help. And I, like, as as I like what we're doing. I, I really do. We're taking three concepts that produce great product and one owner coming through and I see this as where you can, we can grow. We can drop this over in Bloomington and, and Champaign and other areas and not have to go crazy. And maybe it's not a burger concept. You know, we can go in with two, you know, depending on what it is. So it gives us room to kind of go one way or the other. Well, no, absolutely. You just got to make sure you have the facilities there that can cook most anything. And there's just a, a I don't want to train the staff a, well. Yeah, well, there's a basic number of facilities that you need as far as like equipment and, you know, grills and and things like that and ovens. Um, and then, like, again, the next thing is just training. Just make sure that they know. Now, there are going to be there are other concepts that they just have certain staff dedicated to that certain concept. Somebody owns three things. Somebody's doing sushi. Somebody's doing salads and somebody's doing bread rolls. You know, they have just a certain people. Right. For that. I mean, would you. Would you cite on a dedicated staff for each concept, or would you rather cross train everybody across the board? I mean, what do you think is better? I, I, I cross. -train. I know you're cross training, but I mean, that's. I mean, just in the long run, you think that's. Why do you think that's a better option? Well, it cuts. I think it, it minimizes your guys in the kitchen. So if you got a guy doing sushi and he's the only one that's going to make it, you know, if he gets in a bind, nobody can really help him. But so ours is cross training, and the reason why is. We set up Gino's in the burger place to have one menu item. It's burgers and cheesesteaks. That's it. Lucia's a little different story. That's that's a lot more involved on the pizza and the pasta and, and kind of the nicer Italian side. But it is a very simple process to run those other two. So I think you can train them very easily. It's like having you know two extra menu items on the Italian side is what we have. So, I mean, it's it's the redundancy in case somebody gets overwhelmed. And, and I mean, especially if you own all three concepts. Um, and, right. You know, and you want everybody to, you know, I mean, you want people to know how to make dough. You want people to know how to make your sauces. 
And, and you know, you can't just rely on that. So if somebody calls in sick and says, oh, I'm not any domain, Johnny, let's go, man. We need, you know, they know how to do it. So that's that's key because you know how many times, oh, I got I can't get to work today. I'm gonna get my domain, right? So <laughs> No, I, I know it was a silly question, but I have to ask those silly questions. But um, yes, building as much redundancy and cross-train as many people as you can. That's That would be my suggestion, too. Um, triple, quadruple uh, redundancy. Everybody knows everybody's job. So um, Absolutely. All right. Gina, can, well, you know, if they're short, if you're short a driver, they can drive. Yeah. Hey, I'll take it. Boom. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, no, it's it's um it's definitely something that you know it's the one of the uh, the pizzerias that I was running was very small. I think our staff was seven to ten, ten people max at one yeah. time. Obviously not working all at one time, but somebody calls in, right. you're you're screwed, you're screwed, and so you got to make sure that everybody can cover several different places, maybe two at a time. Um, and I did. I had a really good staff, and I I don't know if they're watching or not, but I appreciate everybody at the. Bedford Pizza X, you guys pulled your weight and then some. So we we we, awesome. did, we, we got a pizza on the menu for Pizza X up there. It's uh, it, it's it's a, a badge of honor for us. But I, I really like that. It's just you know you build in that redundancy. Um, well, we're trying to build the staff now. We're just starting that process and and trying to figure out how many staff we're going to need, and that's where we're working through now because we are opening three brand new concepts, and we could get hammered by all three you know boom just yeah. a rush with all three so you know, we got to be careful there make sure we are prepared and everybody is trained yeah. you know and start out my labor cost the first 60 days is going to be yeah way up there well, i know it is you know <laughs> until we well, dial it in yeah and i mean as far as even you're talking about the redundancy and just having several different concepts i mean how many people do you decide to hire for each one and how cross-trained do they have to be? I mean, at a certain point, at the beginning, you might overhire. And 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 through, you know, fruition, it's good, you know, um, people are gonna leave. They're not, you know, but then you find out who's who's quality and who knows the stuff and who can actually go back and forth. Right. But I mean, I mean, it's as far as do you want to have a little bit of extra help on hand? Maybe some people that you say, hey, look, I can only give you 25% of the hours being maybe, what, five, 10 hours a week, you know, but just kind of be available just in case um, some of the people don't show up just because you're trying to the, – the, the main right. thing about this model is that you can keep your labor down is what I was hearing earlier. So if you cross-train everybody on this stuff, you know, you're not having to pay that much labor. But, again, you could get put into a lot of binds if one person gets sick through no fault of their own. They're sick. But that could right. throw things in there. Do you want right. to have a little bit of backup? Somebody, some some young high school people or, you know, early college kids just w only want to work five yeah. to ten hours a week? And those are that's where the cross-training is huge because, you know, you now cross-train other people. If somebody calls in sick, well, this guy can come over or this girl can fill in on the line and cook, you know, for chinos or vice versa. And if you have to bring that high schooler in or that, you know, maybe that's on the, the bagging side or the delivery side or working with, you know, the kitchen manager. And, and you know, we see ours running, Brian. It's, it's kind of crazy, but not like a typical QSR type style. I'm going to have a KM or a head chef guy who's the engine. He's, he's steering this whole thing. 
um, right there on the other side of the pass you know, with the bagging and the, this and the cook. So, you know, we definitely think we'll be busy enough that we can support a, a kitchen manager that is the, you know, the conductor of the entire kitchen. Well, you know, just like, like a regular dinner server. Right? Well, yeah, absolutely. And I like it's kind of the idea I got there was like um, um, kitchen triage is that, you know, you're going to move the people who are cross-trained and, you know, you can depend upon and then you call in some of these part-timers just to do the the smaller jobs that don't need a lot of cross training like you said folding boxes doing bags just you know plating things or something like that um yeah kitchen plain, manager yeah. for sure i mean oh that's another thing i wanted to ask um and i man i really wish i would have got to this earlier i hope everybody some people are going to see this because we're pushing on an hour but this is I'm, I'm really fascinated by the subject but um uh expediter you have three different concepts. Is there one expediter for the whole room? Because basically you have one pass-through window where all your customers are coming. So is there one expediter yelling at all three kitchens saying, I need this, this, and this, and then passing the orders to the, uh, the, the, the front counter staff? Or, I mean, how are you going to Yeah, so the, where the customers are way out here on the front, they pick up, right? So our expediter is literally on the line facing the line right there. Our work tables overhead uh, pass-through. So yes, one orchestrator will orchestrate that kitchen just like a head chef would. So if we're too busy, <laughs> then I need two, or they need to bring somebody in uh, for, for help on the expediting, then that's a good thing. But we plan to have one expediter through those rush times and just peak time. So you know, you're going to get it through there, and then you know, after your lunch service, you're going to be able to not have the expediter. The guys on the line can handle what they need and then get ready for the next peak. So um, yeah, it's literally going to be run just like a commercial kitchen. If I were to run my gastropub, I will have a head chef expediter and inspecting, you know, the product and, and you know, making sure it's all right and it's wrapped correctly and it's portioned you know, correctly. So, yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, I mean, that's that's good info. I mean, it's it, it, again everything we're, we're kind of coming. There's out too of the many too many room for too much room for error on the delivery concept. From order to cook to packaging to bagging to holding to warming to delivery, there's so many items. So you got to have somebody there that is controlling that ship. If you, yep. otherwise, it's going to be messy. You got to have that general on the battlefield. Um, no, please, a good general. Correct. So, uh, but yeah, no, that yeah, I, mean, I think it's going to be me for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it, yeah, you know, it's going to be me mostly. Well, and most people, it should be. Honestly, it's one of those things. There, there have been uh, other things where I've just tried to get into, but the main thing is that you have to be able to. You have to have done everything you're going to ask everybody who works for you to do. You have to be able to have done everything you're asking the soldiers to do, so that you know about it. So you can't just be barking orders without any knowledge about how it works. Um, so, and, and I, I know that most people opening the restaurants, this is what they do. They work for two, three years. They don't ever get paid. They've worked in, they've washed dishes, they've sweep, swept floors, mop floors, they've done everything, you know, fixing lights, changing ceiling tiles. Um, that's when they can knowledgeably tell people that they have to do this or why they should do it. So um, I, I would not, I would definitely recommend anybody who thinks that they're going to go into this and kind of be a hands-off investor. Even if so, if even if you have that ability, go in and do it. Work a dish shift. You know what I mean? Work you know, follow somebody right. expediting or somebody doing cashier, just so you know what you're asking your people to do. 
and you can better yeah, lead them. You have to. You got to do that. Yeah. Yes, absolutely, hundred percent. So you know, we'll be in there, and and I think my whole to get our team together, Brian, is not so. I don't need the next Gordon Ramsay in my kitchen, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, we're looking for trained, you know, trained chef. We're looking for some good line cooks. I will get that, but you know, I'm buying into people. I still think our whole industry is a people business. We're not in the restaurant business. We're not in the you know, we're in the people business. It all goes through service and customer service and relationships. So, you know, if I could build that team inside my kitchen, that is like a family and we all work together and everything goes smooth. You know, to me, that's going to allow us to make that next step. So, you know, we're going to be very kind of digging deep um, when we hire. So, you know, it may not, I can teach you how to cook a burger. I can teach you how to make a pasta dish. So, you know, I can work you through that process. It's what kind of person are you in? You know, are you honest? Are you willing to help people and care for people? And that's the team that I want to build. Yeah. Are you Are you looking to? For, I don't want to say solicitations from your staff, but um, you know, once you get established, you know, how open are you going to be to suggestions for menus and things like that? I mean, how important do you think it is to listen yeah, to your staff about suggestions to actually improve the restaurant and/or the menu? One hundred percent. Always, always listen to what they have to say. You may not agree with it. Um, but you you listen and say, oh yeah, that's you know not a bad idea, and you know you know if we could build this team, you know remember the old days of having a, the big restaurants having a family meal, where you know they were only open for dinner, so at four o'clock everybody sat down and one guy he made a meal. We want to incorporate in that into this kitchen unlimited somehow, some way. I don't know how we're going to do it yet, um, but you know that is a plan for me is to, to get everybody involved as a team. And that's one of the ways I think we could do that is somehow get a family meal to where we can you know, sit down as a team and do this. I don't know how that works, but oh, know, we're yeah. going to see. But no, I absolutely. You, and our menu will cha uh, change with the, especially the Lucia, with the season. So if I got fresh produce in season or I have this or that, you know, our pizzas will change the chef driven pizzas with the season. Oh, very nice. Yeah, well, that was going to be a separate show and a separate conversation. Uh, just about seasonality and stuff. <laughs> well, especially on the Italian side, when you get your fresh herbs and your, uh, you know, right. vegetables and Pastas. things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we'll definitely have you back. But I mean, I definitely like the idea of the the staff family meal. I've seen that so many times, and I, I you know, I really think that works because it it brings everybody together. It's that camaraderie. It's that feeling of ownership in what you're doing. It's that your opinions and thoughts are not even listened to, but just heard. You know what I mean? And yeah, who knows? I mean, that, I like I said, when we got that pizza on the menu, I was ecstatic. And, uh, well, it didn't even actually happen for three years. I got a call three years later after working here, and they're like, can we put it on the menu? I'm like, sure, name it after me. They did. There you go. But it, uh, It's you huge. Know. And I want to give you one, one more, Brian, um, that one key thing that we haven't talked about yet. So in Effingham, Illinois – um, they have, or in the state of Illinois, the food stamps is called SNAP. Okay, mm -hmm. so you cannot somebody who has who is on SNAP cannot buy a pre-cooked deal from a restaurant. They can't order online and order a burger or cheesesteak that's already cooked. However, they can order a take and make. So if we prepare a lasagna that they take home and they bake in their oven, that we can accept a SNAP, you know, food stamp for. So we. Lucia's will have a whole separate line of take and make. 
um, you know, for that reason too, because you know we want to get them the flavor and, and give them the option to have that as well. So um, we will have a take and make line, whether it's not the pizza, but mostly pastas on the Lucia side. So we're we're kind of excited about that. And honestly, it's a it's a stream of revenue that you typically would not see in your business. No, well, I mean, yeah, it's. I never actually even thought about that. I've, I'm used to living in college towns and they have something similar, but it's for college kids, you know, where the parents kind of fund their cards. But I never thought right. about the fact that, yeah, you can't buy anything pre-made. They don't want them going, you know, to McDonald's, Burger King, all that stuff. So it's kind of, I don't want right. to say it's a way around it, but it's a way to get them some good food that they still have to make. I mean, you can get a, a large pizza for about the same thing. Almost it costs sometimes for like one of the, one of the meals at a fast food restaurant. I mean, it's, it's damn close. Right. So it would be, it's, yeah. And it's going to be, yeah. So like I said, it'd be a take and make. Yeah. So that's something we're working on. Um, we're running those through our test kitchen now. Well, you know, what those items are going to be, but I think we can. Well, no, that's great. Was there any kind of special hoops you had to jump through to make sure that you can do those take and bakes or like you said that as long as that they it's not pre-made it's okay i mean do how do you yeah, set, how went, do you set up your the shop? state of why well, I, I was gonna say how do you set up your shop to accept that uh go through the department uh or the uh usda through the state of illinois and that's who administers that so uh, we've already been in contact with them we have a form that we're, we filled out online and we got to go through the approval process. So they have to look at our menu. Um, certain portions of your menu, have, so much has to be taken bake um, in order for you to qualify to accept that. Like oh, Papa wow. Murphy's, it's all taken bake. So, yeah, they take, you know, all the you know all the snap food stamps you can give those to Papa Murphy, but their entire menu, hundred percent is taken bake. So you know ours, we I think it's forty percent in the state of Illinois. Forty percent of my menu, you have to be able to bake. Well, no, that, I mean, that's a great tip. So right we're there. really, yeah, you got to be at least 40% yeah. take and bake or have 40% of your menu options be able to be take and bake. Correct. And that's just, so Illinois. I don't think I, that's just Illinois. Now, it could be different in a different state. You know, I don't know what that is. So, but we're, we're definitely working towards that to see if we can make that happen. That, you know, that's great too, because, Everybody needs food. Everybody deserves pizza. Man, everybody deserves burgers. I'm just going to say it. But, Gene, I do appreciate your time. I appreciate everybody sticking around and watching uh, all your questions and comments. Um, can you just one positive affirmation for the industry right now? I know you kind of you had a speed bump early on, but you're going strong right now. And, I mean, that makes me so proud that I'm seeing what you're doing. And, uh, you know, it, it's kind of that strength in the industry well, that kind of leads us. What what will you what advice do you have for others maybe going through the same thing as you? You know what? I'm going to say lean on your others in, in the industry, in our industry. Times are tough. Um, I've been fortunate to, to have friends in the industry that help me along the way. And, and, you know, reach out, you know, get some help if you need it. But, you know, stay positive. Um, I know it's tough and I think it will come back and it will come back pretty strong. It's going to be different. I don't know how it's going to be different yet. That's what we're trying to still figure out. But, you know, you use your other you know, people in your industry. Uh, it's a lot different than it used to be, you know, uh, as far as reaching out for help. But there's, there's a lot of people that are out there that would help you. So if you need help with anything, buying equipment, a question of this, how are you doing it? What's working? You know, 
that's how you grow and just stay positive. Well, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way? I, I would assume just kind of a message through Facebook. Yeah, just my personal Facebook, Gene McWilliams. You know, is a typical. You can catch me on that as well. Instagram is Chef Gene McWilliams. Uh, but yeah, I'd be happy to answer. You know, any questions anybody would have, and and I get a lot of a lot of help. You know, being on the pizza team, it's great. You know, these guys. You know, they, I got questions. They're like, oh, this is what we do. Gino, here's where you get this flour, whatever the case. So it's been huge for me to to have that uh, that team behind me. Well, we, de- you know, we definitely appreciate your participation and, you know, willingness to be on this uh, crazy group of team that we call family. Um, we are crazy. But when can we go compete? Anytime soon? Yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm back in the office now, so we're trying to figure out a physical competition. Uh, I will let everybody know, right. but I mean, this is what we, this is what we live for is, um, that's what the U.S. Pizza team is about, is, uh, you know, bringing people together and helping to put all the pizzerias up on a pedestal. I mean, I'll give all the press that we can to any kind of member on the team. Same with PMQ. Um, the main thing is, is that you, you become a part of the U.S. Pizza team, and then we're trying to make sure that you get as much press as possible. So, uh, but all, all we ask is that you be, uh, you know, kind, um, educated, be able to at least make a pizza, but, um, you know, have that familial attitude and not, not super competitive. We want to be competitive. We want to beat each other, but we want to help you, you know, right. lift each other up. You know, here's the best way I can describe it is that um, there, there are times where, you know, all our members, I mean, I've literally given my jacket to somebody who was going to compete because they lost theirs through Italy, um, through the, the airlines uh, or somebody, somebody stole our basil in Italy. So one of our team members, I don't know who it was, might've been the captain, Michael, <laughs> Um, went and got some basil from somebody else. <laughs> we returned it, but still, it's one of those things where I want to beat you. I really want to beat you, but I only want to beat you when you're at your best. So I want to make sure you're going to be able to compete at your best. And then when I win, there is no asterisk. Now I've completely That's kicked right. your butt. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah. Right. It, you want them at their best. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, the pizza industry. Yeah, uh, if anybody... Go ahead. Yeah, right. If any of the guys out there, you know, whether it be on the pizza team or the smaller side, and you know, I know I've talked with a couple guys about the ghost kitchen, you know, and if they want any questions or how we're doing it or, or how we're learning as we go, just reach out. I'll be glad to share everything. I mean, I set my entire design to one of the guys, you know, and how we set up our kitchen and you know the way we think it should run. So, you know, anything I can do if anybody you know is looking down that avenue, um, you know, definitely reach out and I'll gladly provide you with as much as I can any help. Well, and that's what we look for. Just a cooperative attitude. And, you know, it's pizza in the end. It's just pizza. But the best thing about the pizza industry, as far as the restaurant industry is the pizza segment is the most cooperative The restaurant industry right. itself is, can be very snipey and just cutthroat yeah. cutthroat. It's insane. Oh, it is. Yeah. The old, the old days is, you know, so it's crazy what it used to be. Everything was a secret. Yeah. What was it a secret? But not even <laughs> I mean, that. Like, but pizza, pizza. They uh, like music. Yeah, pizza. The pizza guys, they're going to help you out. So it's recession proof. It's COVID proof. It's the food you want. It's the food you love. So, Gino, I do appreciate right. your time today, brother. Uh, if anybody has any questions, Thank reach you. out to him at his Facebook. Um, this has been your PMQ live update for Friday, June 12th. 
Uh, we'll see you guys probably uh, next Tuesday, trying to set up some uh, new interesting interviews for you guys. But we're going to keep it fun and a little less COVID-centric because we need to come out of this, and we're going to come out of this together. Right, Gino? Absolutely. I'm, I don't even, you know, I still wear a mask when I need to, but everything else I don't even, I don't even want to talk about COVID. Well, absolutely. I want to talk Be about selling cheesesteaks and pizza and burgers and that's it. <laughs> Be safe. Yes. Yeah, stay safe and stay sane and be responsible. But um, we'll get through this together, guys. Again, Gino, thank you so much for your time. I'm Brian Hernandez. That's Gino McWilliams. We'll see you next time. If you need to reach out to either of us, find us on Facebook. All right. Thanks, bud.